chapter 5, and we're going to read two verses right now, and then we'll read some more scripture at the end. But Mark chapter 5, verse 35, again, we are looking at this guy named Jairus. And so uh, it's, about to, it's about to go rock bottom for Jairus, but just lean in. It'll be okay. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue's leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Verse 36, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. I, I hope you feel encouraged already. We're going to pray and we're going to jump into it. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray that within the next few moments together, God, that you would just encourage our heart, encourage our mind, God, that, that we would leave here changed, that we would leave here better, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you as our guest of honor this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. So my kids, uh, they are into fishing right now. That's, that's their thing. They love fishing. I don't like fishing. Out of the 39 years that I have been alive, I have caught one fish. That's a horrible track record. And so I don't like fishing. And so my goal originally was to say, uh, was to sabotage my kids' ability to catch fish so, so, so that they're discouraged enough to not want to go fishing ever again. Uh, unfortunately, God knew my heart and he loves my kids more than me. Because every time we go fishing at Howarth Park, they're catching four or five fish at a time. It's ridiculous, okay? And so, uh, so, so my kids love fishing. And uh, I took, the, the, a couple weeks ago, I took my youngest, Sammy, fishing um, just because that's kind of, he, he loves it. And, uh, and, and so he caught this. Matter of fact, I got a picture of that. Yeah, yeah. Like, that thing is massive. That was the biggest fish that he has ever caught. That was the biggest fish that anyone in my family has ever caught. Uh, we heard that there were bass at, at Howarth Park. We didn't know that they were actually a real thing there. And so I'm emailing someone, and, and I hear him, Dad, I caught something. And he's, he has, like, this little mini pole, and he's, like, reeling it in. He did it all by himself. So uh, I told him today that I was going to show the church uh, his fish. And so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but, but here's, why, here's why I tell you this is because once he caught that fish, all of a sudden he just had, a, it was like swag alert. He was walking around the house like, I'm the fisherman. And we were like, yo, calm down, Sam, it's okay. And like he, he just walked around just like this, with this, like he, he was the man, okay, and so his older brother and his older sister were annoyed by that. And they said, Dad, can we go fishing? I was like, yeah, we can go fishing. And so this past Saturday, we, we went fishing as a family. And, um, and they, 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 said, they said to their little brother, they said, uh, let's have a competition. Let's see who can catch a fish first. Okay? And so, like, they're, they're there and they're fishing. We were there for at least an hour and nothing. Okay? And so I was like, man, this is turning out to be a day that I love. Like, no fishing. They're going to hate fishing. They won't want to come back again. And, and so, so they're fishing, right, like an hour in, and then all of a sudden, my little girl, she's like, I caught something. 
And she, she reels this in, and it's like this little fish. I don't have a picture of that because it was smaller than that fish. But the, the, the point is she first caught something. And she was excited. I was like, man, let me take a picture. And so I took a picture of her and, and her little fish. But I was trying to make sure that my youngest didn't hear because he's the fisherman in the family. And so before I know it, my youngest, he looks over and he sees that his sister caught a fish. And he freaks out. He's like, no! And so we're having to calm him down, like, it's okay. You're still a fisherman in mommy and daddy's eyes. You know, like, uh, like what parents do. And, and, so, and so, like, we, we, he finally calms down. And we're like, okay, guys, it's time, it's time to go. It's time to go. My, young, my, my, my little girl, she's like, yeah, it's fine. I caught my fish. My oldest is like, whatever, I'm over this. I just want to go home. And then my youngest, though, he was like, no, no. Big fish. And we're like, Samuel, we have to go. He's like, no. And so, so we said, okay, Sammy, 20 more minutes. If you, if you have 20 more minutes to catch a fish, if you catch something amazing, if not, well, we, we're, we have to go. And lo and behold, he casts in his line, and he pulls out another fish. And it's, it's, not, it's not like that one right there, but it's a fish. And he's so excited. He's so happy. My wife and I were, like, so happy because it would have been a crazy drive to home, from, from the park to home. But he's excited. He finally caught something, and, uh, and we left. And, and so I was thinking about this, this idea of my son, how, how, like, he didn't want to leave. And, uh, and, and so he, here's, here's kind of what I want you to see this morning is that my son, he understood the reality of his situation. He understood the reality that his sister won the contest. But what I want you to also see is that even though he understood the reality, he didn't allow his reality to dictate his desire to keep going. He continued to say, no, even though this is not what I was expecting or what I was wanting, I'm not going to give up until I catch something. And in this moment, what my son, my youngest, uh, what he showed was this ability to be persistent. And this morning, what I want us to talk about for our next remaining time together is this idea of being persistent. And so if I want to have a but God narrative, I have to surrender Understand that only God, but then I also have to be patient on the journey. But on top of that, I also have to learn to be persistent. I got to be persistent in my approach because here's what I've discovered. There comes a time in life when my reality and my desires don't align. And so when my reality and my desires don't align, what is my response when, 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 what I de, what, blah, blah, when I, what I desire doesn't align with the reality of what I'm seeing, how do I respond to that? Do I keep going or do I quit? Do I keep moving forward or do I stop? And so really this is the, the theme of our final text this morning in, 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 in Mark chapter 5 and verse 35 because 
in this small portion of text, the two verses that we just read, what we discover is Jairus is facing a situation where his desires and his realities don't align. See, Jairus' desire was that his daughter would be healed. But the reality in which he was facing, his daughter had passed away. And so Jairus is stuck with this, with this hard decision to make. How am I going to respond in this moment? What am I going to do in this situation? How am I going to, like, am I going to keep going forward or am I going to stop? And so we pick up in verse 35 and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great verse because in verse 35 what it says is that Jesus in the middle of him um, uh, uh, talking, there's some people from Jairus' house and they come and they find Jairus and they're like, hey Jairus, can, can you come here for a sec? We got something to tell you. And they say, they say Jairus, we, we have bad news for you. Uh, I don't really know how to say this, Jairus, but your daughter didn't make it. And if you have a kid, you could only imagine the pain that he's experiencing in this moment. But then they say something that really just, it, it got me like, why, why would you even say this? Because they say, Jairus, your daughter passed away, so don't bother Jesus anymore. She already passed away. Leave him alone. Don't bother him. And I'm reading this, and I'm reading them saying this, and I'm like, man, if there is ever a time to bother Jesus, it's when my situation looks hopeless. Like what horrible news could these people bring? Don't bother Jesus. Listen, I'm here. I don't know the situation that you're in right now, but if there was ever a time to bother Jesus, it's when your situation looks dead. It's when that hope seems deflated. I'm thinking, no, this is the best time to bother Jesus. And then, and then, so that was verse 35, and then verse 36 comes. And verse 36, it says that Jesus, he overheard the conversation. So, so they're like, Jairus, hey man, like, your daughter didn't make it. Leave Jesus alone. And verse 36 says that Jesus overheard what they said. And, uh, and he overheard it, and he said to them, he said to Jairus, he said, he said, don't be afraid and believe. Don't be afraid and believe. And, and what's amazing to me is that in the midst of Jairus' probably worst time of life, it says that Jesus overheard him. And I want to submit to you this morning that the only reason Jesus was able to overhear what was happening over here was because Jairus put himself in close proximity to Jesus. Jairus put himself in proximity to where Jesus was at. Watch this. Even before the worst situation happened. So before Jairus' daughter was dead, Jairus was already in close proximity with Jesus. And as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, man, that would be nice. But if we're honest, if I'm honest, that's not what it looks like for me. Like if I'm honest, my proximity to Jesus 
is most of the time dependent on how my situation or my season is. If I'm honest, most of the time, my proximity or my desire to want to be near Jesus so that he understands what I'm going through is dependent on the season that I'm in. So if things are great, well, I have this tendency to drift further away from Jesus. Oh, that's just me. Okay. So, 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 so when, 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 I, when my season is good, I'm like, Jesus, I love you, but I'm okay over here. It's, it's okay. Like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I could, I could maybe skip my devotional today. I could, you know what? Sun's out, gun's out. I could miss church today. Jesus, you're cool. I love you, but I'm okay. But the moment hell breaks loose, the moment something in my life is going, going to hell in a handbasket, man, I find myself like, Jesus, where you at? Jesus, I'm right here. I'm right here. Let's, let's just stay close. Come on, link arms. We're right here. Wait, you want me to miss church? Heck no. I got things I'm going through. Woo! And so, so my proximity to Jesus is a lot of times dependent on the season or situation that I'm going through. But what I want you to see this morning is that, again, Jairus was already in close proximity to Jesus when the worst time happened. And so I have to learn to put myself in close proximity to, in close proximity to Jesus in the good so that I can have confidence in what he says in the bad. So I don't want to end up practicing me hearing and trusting God in the bad. I want to learn to practice that in the good. I want to learn to practice me trusting God, hearing God in the good when there's no storms. So that I can be confident to hear him in, in the worst storms. And so close proximity. And then Jesus says to Jairus in verse 36, he says, don't be afraid Believe. Don't be afraid. Believe. And uh, it's kind of weird. Like, don't be afraid. Believe. Don't be afraid. Jesus, I just lost my daughter. I'm not afraid. I'm sad. I'm very sad that I lost my In fact, I'm a bit angry. I'm a bit angry, Jesus, that like you knew my daughter was sick, but you decided to stop and heal this lady. That could have been time that you, we were there praying for my daughter. So, Jesus, I, I'm not afraid, but I am sad. I am angry. And so I'm reading Jesus' response when he's like, don't be afraid. And I'm like, Jesus, yo, you got it wrong. That's the wrong emotion. That, that's the wrong emotion, Jesus. Like, it's not, I, I'm not afraid. But I think Jesus was very specific in his word usage. Because for those of you that have ever been through something where the but God didn't happen in the way that you were wanting it or the way that you were expecting it. We're sad. We're, we're, fear, or we're, we're sad. We're, we're, um, we're angry in the moment. But eventually it kind of wears off. But that emotion of fear, that stays with me. 
And so, so like when, when something doesn't happen, like it, 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 it begins to put a fear, not just with what I'm going through right now, but that fear affects everything else going forward. And so what I think Jesus was saying, he's like, I understand you're sad. I understand you're angry. I understand that, understand that you're disappointment, but I want to speak to the anger because it's the anger, or excuse me, the, um, the, the fearfulness because it's the fearfulness that will quench your ability to believe now and going forward. Like, like Jesus is like, hey, let's talk about don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid because what fear will do is it will prevent you from ever expecting anything else from God. And if I'm honest, like I have experienced that in my own life where I, didn't, where I saw God not show up the way that I wanted him to or the way that I was hoping to. And what it did, it put me in like this, this weird place where whenever I needed, I was expecting something else from God. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to be disappointed again. I don't want to. And that fear of disappointment, it quenches your ability to believe. And so Jesus said to, to Jairus, he said, hey, don't be afraid and don't believe. Or excuse me, don't be afraid and believe. <laughs> what if he said that? Then that would be a completely different message. And, uh, and he said, don't, don't be afraid and believe. Be persistent. And in this moment, Jairus, he had, he had a choice. He had to decide what is he going to do in this moment. Is he going to be persistent to see what is going to play out? Or was he just going to... Throw in the towel and be like, you know what, Jesus, thank you. We tried, kind of. I tried more than you, but it's up, to, like, I'm, I'm good, Jesus. So we had these two, two uh, choices. And, and so what we read, what we're going to read in verse 37 and 40 is, is Jairus' response to Jesus. A spoiler alert, Jairus decides to be persistent. My heart for you this morning is that whatever you're going through, that you wouldn't stop, that you would desire to continue to be persistent in whatever you're pursuing God for. But I want to read in Mark chapter 5. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and walking loudly, wailing loudly. He went, mine says something different, so it's cool. Different translation. Yeah, no. Hey, no big deal, whatever, it's cool. It's cool, we all can't be perfect. So uh, let's keep reading verse 39. <laughs> he went in and said to them, why all, I also want to point out my words are that big, and I'm like 100 feet away, okay? Let's just chill. Uh, <laughs> he, went. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. I think we got one more verse. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. So, so Jairus, he, he, he decides to be persistent. He decides to say, okay, you know what? I made it this far, let's just keep going. 
And so Jesus, Jairus, Peter, James, and John, they go to Jairus' house. And when they get to Jairus' house, what they see is a whole bunch of people wailing or walking and commotion going everywhere. <laughs> they, like, it, everywhere like it is just one of those environments that you just don't want to walk into. And everyone is crying. Everyone is, is freaking out. And Jesus, he has the audacity to stand in the group. And he says this. He says, hey, guys, you can stop crying. The girl, she's not dead. She's asleep. To which the text that we just read said, they began laughing. They're like, ah, oh, this fool, like what? They, they, they did not believe what Jesus said. And what I want us to do is I want to put ourselves in Jairus' shoes because in this moment, Jairus had two things going on. Two emotions that were trying to take over his life in this moment. He had his, his human side. His, 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 his human emotions, listening to the emotions of his family and his friends that are wailing and crying and, and they're, they're distraught. But then on the other end, he also had his, this other commotion of Jesus, uh, pulling him, of Jesus saying like, hey, it's okay. She's asleep. She's not dead. And so he's being tugged emotionally. He's getting pulled, like he wants to believe this, but he also is like, he's in the moment, and so he kind of wants to believe this too, and like, and, and he's being pulled, and, and I don't know about you, but have you ever just felt pulled between two things? Have you ever been, have you ever felt like your, 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 your physical self being pulled one way, but your spirit man is being pulled some opposite way? And if I was honest with you uh, this morning, like that is a thing that you will constantly go through from now until eternity with Jesus. There will always be a tension inside of you of being pulled to what your flesh, what your, what your, um, what your physical emotions are wanting to believe and wanting to receive. And then you're also your spirit of like what God is saying and what Jesus is saying in this moment. And so my question to you this morning is this, who has your ear? Who has your ear? Because in one ear, the people were like, Jairus, I'm sorry, it's dead. Like She's, she's, she's passed away, like there's no hope. And then in the other ear, God, Jesus is like, no, she's asleep. And there's like, who has your ear? Because whoever has your ear ends up setting the narrative to your life. And the best proof that I can show you with this is found in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3. And God said to Adam, he said, because you listened, you are now cursed. What he heard, he acted on. What he acted on became the very narrative of his life. What you allow in here will make a difference in how you live out here. So who has your ear? Who has your ear? 
And then we, so, so they begin to laugh again. We're the, the 37, verse 37, they begin to laugh at Jesus. They're like, this guy, what is he saying? He, he thinks that she's asleep. And Jesus, I love Jesus because he does something that's, that's amazing in this moment. He notices that everybody's laughing. He notices that, that people are doubting what he's saying. And, and you know what he does? He says this, hey, everybody get out of here. Would you just leave? And, and our scripture that we read says that, says that he, he kicked everyone out of the house except for mom, dad, and the three disciples. He kicked everyone else out, which tells me that I don't only have to watch, guard who, who I allow in my ear, but I also have to act on eliminating things that would dare put poison in my ear. If, because I think for a lot of us, like we know what's wrong and what's right to listen to, but we allow ourselves to continue to surround ourselves with the very thing that we know we shouldn't be giving our ear to. I just met with someone this past week, and, and this person was like, man, I'm just going through a lot of fear. Um, like there, there's just a lot of fear that I'm dealing with. And this person said to me, and, and you, know what I, I, you know what I ended up doing? I was like, what did you end up doing? This person said, I stopped watching scary things. Brilliant! <laughs> like I didn't just know, but I removed it out of this area. Because what, what Jesus is, 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 is pointing out is he's identifying that not everything is meant to be in the circumference of the miracle he wants to do. Only certain people are meant to see the miracle that Jesus wants to do in your life. And when I have the wrong people in this area, all I need is a little doubt, right? All I need is, is someone just to be like, is that really going to happen? Is he really going to? Fix that. That's all I need, at least for me, to begin to, to get doubt, to, to just stir in my heart and in my mind, to, be, to begin to become fearful. And so Jesus, he, he, he kicks everyone out, out, of the, out of the room. And he, he walks upstairs to where this little girl is at. And we could have the keys come up because I'm landing this plane. But... He, he takes his family up, up uh, takes her family upstairs, and he says this. He says, uh, he says, uh, get up. That's all he says. He just says, get up. And what the text says is that she woke up. She woke up. Now, to me, this is, this is a but God miracle. To me, this is, this is, this is, this is the goal for each and every one of you in this room. That you would have this but God narrative, this but God mindset. That even though seems things seems things seem hopeless, come on, John, you can talk. That there's still hope. That that there's still something in your life that can. That, that can work out. And what I want you to see, I don't know if we have this, 
verse, Josh, verse 43. Do we have that? No? It's okay. So, Jesus performs this miracle. She gets up. The parents are like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. They're ecstatic. Okay? And then, uh, you would think Jesus would say something super spiritual. You would think Jesus would say something like, you are blessed, my child. You would think he would do something that would seem like pastoral in the moment. But what he says next is mind-blowing. She gets up, she's alive, and he says this. Now give her something to eat. She's hungry. She's hangry. Isn't that bizarre? Like, out of everything Jesus could have said, like he says, give her something to eat. She's hungry. And so like, I'm like, why, why in the world would you say this, Jesus? Like, like what is the significance? Because I think everything that Jesus says is for a purpose, is significant, is for a reason. And so I'm like, Jesus, why would you say this? And here's the only thing that I can come up with. Is that we have to learn to feed our miracle. We have to learn to feed our miracle. Let me say it this way. That I don't just expect a miracle, a miracle just to neglect my miracle. I don't expect a miracle just to neglect my miracle. And he, he, here's what I mean by this. A lot of the times when we get our but God miracle, we see it, we pray, we're like, whoa, and then we neglect it. We begin to treat the very miracle that we were believing God for the same exact way. And so this morning, whatever miracle you're believing God for, whatever miracle that God has get, that done in your, in your past so far, whatever he's done, don't just see the miracle to neglect your miracle. You got to feed that miracle. You got to feed that miracle. So if, if, if Jesus does a financial breakthrough miracle in your life, you don't just go back to the way you were before treating your finances. You got to feed it something good. You, you, when your marriage, when, when Jesus does something in your marriage, you don't just neglect the miracle that he did. You have to feed it something that will help bring it to the next place, the next level. I can't just expect a miracle to neglect my miracle. Jesus said, man, feed her. She is hungry. This morning, whatever God has done in your life, whatever he's going to do in your life, my challenge to you this morning is feed it. Feed it. Feed it the right thing. Feed, feed it the thing that, that will help take it to the next level. Because he, he's doing something in our lives, in your life. He's posturing us to expect a but God miracle. Amen, somebody?